recording. Welcome everybody to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening strengthening your skills as a guitar player. You can tell I don't do this very often. So <laughs> yes, you'll notice that I said the opening line and not Dylan Murphy because he's without internet somewhere in the jungles of, I don't know, Cambodia, Thailand, somewhere in Southeast Asia right now. I have no idea where. He's riding elephants and things. So, so, so we're told. So we're told. And that voice, ladies and gentlemen, is the voice of dear friend of the show, Matthew O'Callaghan. Matthew, welcome. Guest Thank host. you so much. It's great, great, great to be back hanging out with you again. How's it yeah, going? Last time we had you on the show, you were in Colorado. So now I'm I in was. Colorado and you're not. <laughs> yeah, I am back in um, getting, the, getting a bit more uh, lit up cork in Ireland. The uh, spring is definitely starting to roll in and winter is starting to roll back out. So it's a uh, daylight when I'm actually getting out of work these days, which is nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's uh, nice to be talking. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so moving on, we'll jump into the lick of the week. Maddie, you've got something for me this week. So... Yeah. So a little bit different, let me, let me but let's see have, how you go. Okay, let me, let me have a listen here real quick. It's loading. Good times. Okay. So, man, it sounds like an acoustic guitar and a slide with the percussive stuff. I don't know. It makes me think Tommy Emmanuel. Mm. Goo, uh, you're, you're not giving me anything on this, are you? <laughs> nah, probably not. No. <laughs> um, yeah, like that's, that's going to be, that's probably going to be my best guess on that. Tommy Emmanuel? It's, Tommy uh, it's, uh. Ah, cool. It's actually, it's uh, uh, John Gom um, from the UK, a song called Surrender. Uh, off of his second album, Don't, uh, Don't Panic. That's like this really cool, like, blues rocky kind of thing with, uh, with slide guitar that he has. But okay, a, oh, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't normally associate him with that sort of style. So why did you pick this one and not what, something like, I don't know, Passion Flower? Other than the fact that I would have gotten Passion Flower, but, you know. <laughs> I suppose it's, it's off the beaten path of his work, I guess. He doesn't really play it live. He, the, the only times he plays it live is when he demonstrates, you know, how, how much of a drum kit is in an acoustic guitar. Uh, he does this cool thing live where he, uh, he shows you how to do a kick drum effect and then the, the snare and the hi-hat sounds and all that. And then he does the slide and the bass and the singing. But he puts it all together, layer by layer, and he, it, it, the, the thing that he puts together is that song, that riff, and then it goes into the thing. So he shows you how to do it when he's being alive, which is cool. But, okay. Yeah, something kind of... Cool, man. Well, that's, that's awesome. We'll, we'll slide right into pedal talk here. And okay. instead of pedal, I, we're, we're thinking about changing this from pedal talk to essentially gear talk. Gear is not the primary focus of our podcast, but and we want to, we want to keep it sort of that area and expand into other things like guitars and amps and other cool things that are out there because there's a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. But today, Matthew, the big news over the weekend, we all heard about it is Gibson. Yeah. Gibson. Gibson and yeah, Gibson. a possible death knell for Gibson. So 
What what do you and, think about it? What are some of your thoughts? Uh, I suppose I have a few thoughts. I was uh, I personally was surprised. I, I mean, for the last few months, for sure, I've been hearing Gibson come up more and more on kind of uh, uh, internet forums, like uh, the one that you and I would be pretty, you, myself, and Dylan would be on a lot, uh, Guitarist Ireland. Oh, yeah. Uh, people kind of um, speaking quite ill of, of Gibson, which I started to find kind of surprising. And then, I don't, you know, I was never, I was never into Gibson guitars. They weren't my, my thing. I liked them, but I was more, I suppose if you go for the classic companies, I was more of a Fender guy. But, mm-hmm. um, but I was, I was surprised. I was like, this is, this, these are, you know, these are one of the titans of, 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 of instruments, you know, they're, you know, and I'm just, I'm kind of taken aback by it, but yeah, I, I guess people have had a pretty low opinion of the CEO and, and I, I think it was, I can't remember, was it sometime was it in the last month that their CFO left the company? Um, so, you know, when your CFO decides <laughs> to bail after six months of being at a position, yeah. that's um, somebody, somebody's read the writing on the wall and, uh, and right. uh, you know, is, is, is <laughs> out the gas. He's running going, it's not my fault, it's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lordy, what a position to be in. But um, I su- I guess yeah, just surprised and I and and sad to see them in in trouble. But by the sense of it, that while employees sound like they've been pretty mistreated, it sounds like a leadership problem. Yeah, I think though. I, I mean, it, that seems to be part of it. It seems like a marketing problem to me too. Speaking of uh, guitarist Ireland, I mean, we saw several posts in the last six months of Gibson putting up guitars that have chips on them like they're putting these pictures of guitars on their websites that have chips on them and are dinged and and those sorts of things like that's just that's that's bad pr that's not the kind of thing you want to be doing and you you know they say that there's no such thing as bad publicity but i (laughs) we were all talking about it right but you can yeah i guess it kind of depends i mean i mean like we 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 know of um for to take a recent example of one guitar player who said some pretty uh um i don't know how to put it uh, inflammatory things with regards to the gear and that and you know wh- whether you uh, <laughs> um bonamassa and he uh he, he, oh, yeah. he made those comments about pedals and and you know whether you enjoy his music or not like him as a person or not respect him as a musician or not everybody talked about him and he was in your news feed he was in your facebook feed constantly yeah you gotta know you you gotta believe he's probably making money which is you know something i think people like kanye west to do the best you know and it's it's no different you know it's just i think gibson not going to nam i don't know i i you look at that in a couple of ways and you kind of think well they're probably not going to NAM because they might be going to another consumer consumer electronic show, which they were. They were going to they 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 were doing that, but at the same time, they might have not gone to NAM as a marketing tool. I don't know. They, it certainly got yeah, people talking I mean, about it. Is, it is possible to do that, and is something to say like, "Hey, I, I, everybody kind of talked about it for a little bit, but not going to NAM, and then this happens to me just looks yeah. like." That looks like, hey, the writing's on the wall right now. This is it's for not, sure. 
Yeah, I mean, and and like like I said, backing that up with the CFO leaving, you know, that's that's a big change. And they've had they've had problems for the by the from the more research I did into it, they've been having problems for several from the last few years. They've had some big artists leave them. Most recently, um, sorry, now what's his name, Keller, uh, um, from Mastodon. Um, oh yeah, so the, the, the artists were treated so poorly by Gibson. And Gibson, I believe he nothing. used the term, I, sorry, I, was, I believe he used the term treated like shit was something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, um, but like, about him, mind you. So, but, yeah. uh, but I guess that's just it. There, you know, there's no, the artist relations dipped. There's no effort to try to keep people. There's no, there's no effort to innovate. Um, you know, when we're talking about, I think somebody like Fender, who, who would be comparable. Fender's generating attention by putting artists like Chelsea Wolfe out there. So whether you like her or not, she's not the greatest guitar player. She'll even say that. But that generated a lot of publicity from diehard Fender users who were like, what is this, blah, 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 blah. And everybody yeah. got talking about it. And you know, her particular demo of her Fender guitar got a million shares, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and there's probably at least half of those million people who would be like, that guitar sounds cool, regardless of whether or not they even like your playing. That to me, Absolutely. you know, if, if you're trying to cause a stir, that's a good stir. And Fender, Fender comparably to, is trying to innovate. They're trying to find and resurrect old models and get them out there, or they have their alternate universe series, which to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of, but the thing is, mm. is they're, they're at least trying something new. They're putting something out there, new combinations, different neck shapes, old neck shapes, all these things. Whereas Gibson, to me, has said, well, you like the Les Paul, so here's another Les Paul. And yeah, and it's <laughs> who's buying and, and Les so, Pauls these days? And I wonder, for Gibson's part, how much of it has to do with, well, with regards to the internet anyway, if the internet community and their response to all of this. Um, how much of the kind of voting with your wallets has been affected by by popular culture like that? Because it's kind of like you have any time I've heard Gibson mentioned, the majority of the time in the last six to twelve months, it, it's mm. it's been been crapped upon. You know, it's like oh, yeah. they treat their employees terribly. I got you know terrible setups and stuff like that. People sharing bad stories, but then that kind of mob mentality that you see sometimes coming in and, and just, just raining on us all. So I'm like, I'm wondering how much of like their already negative position is being affected by the fact that like, or rather their negative position now is being affected by the fact that nobody's now going to go back to them because they have such a bad reputation. Well, and, you know. yeah. And kind of my take on it too, when you're, you're, they, they produce great guitars at one point in time. But the fact yeah. of the matter is now, to get that level of guitar, if you're going to spend 2000 to $3,000, you have so many more options. Like, why go yeah, with a Gibson? Why not go with something that really fits your hand and your playing style better? You know, or a like for, guitar, you know? Absolutely. And at this day and age, like more and more, like in the last four to five years, you see so many smaller guitar mm. companies just starting to explode like mayonnaise I, I i can't i don't know if i'm butchering the pronunciation of that name but mayonnaise i have no idea <laughs> mayonnaise mayos <laughs> um i mean but 
like those guys are owning on the progressive metal scene. Like they're such a widely used and respected instrument. From right. Check- and I mean, if you're looking for something that is more classic rock oriented, again, at that mm-hmm. price point, you can, one, you could go with Fender, but again, I'm kind of of the same opinion. Like you can get better quality out of a Tyler, a Sir. Um, you've got, I mean, shoot, Gretsch, I think is still doing some decent stuff. Like why wouldn't you yeah. go with something like that? So there's, there's loads of small builders now yeah. that if, you're willing to spend over a thousand dollars. You've got tons of options. If you're looking for something under a thousand dollars, you still have tons of options. I think Schechter has really oh, into Gibson's market share because they're offering great guitars oh. that are comfortable to play, yeah. that still sound good but don't weigh a thousand pounds, and mm. um, but they're 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 put together well. They're set up. Well, now I understand the weight of the Gibson, particularly the old, old school Les Paul. That's part of where you get your sustain in your tone. I get that. But, sure. you know, if you're, you're not going to get that if you're spending under $1,000. So if you're spending under $1,000, again, Schechter's great. Ibanez, which is not necessarily comparable with the neck or the body shape, but sure. Ibanez makes some great guitars as well. There's just, you know... Uh, or, or, or even... Dude, Epiphone. I mean, Epiphone are still pretty good guitars as well. I've I've played some of the ones over the last couple of years, and they're not bad. And that's supposed to be like the, you know, that's I suppose the old adage of like Epiphone is to Gibson what Squires are to to Fender, or the SE models of PRS are to PRS. You know, it's but it it seems I'm, like the uh, it seems like the Epiphones at at that price point. You know, when you're starting to hit a thousand, you hit a thousand dollar Epiphone or a thousand dollar Gibson. I'd probably go with the Epiphone, which again, I, I, I would too. Quality control problems at Gibson, you know? Yep. So, um, and, and the quality of the staff, as far as I'm aware, I've heard in, I went through an absolute litany of, of YouTube blogs and stuff about, uh, on, this, on this topic. And a number of them brought up stories about um, employees leaving, employees being fired, entire uh, staff on Project Floor is being fired. Um, you know, and whether that's, whether those, whether those rumors are true or not, you know, it sounds like it's a pretty common thing. And, you know, at some point it, there has to be some kind of truth to those rumors. And if that is the case, then it sounds like, you know, they have the like Gibson also has a lot of brain drain of like, you know, quality, um, uh, efficient and really good, uh, builders, people who know the product and want to build the product and make it good. And yeah. it takes time to get, it takes time to get to that point, and and you know it, they already have a, a reputation to uphold. And if they're then churning out garbage in comparison to the Ferraris that they try to sell themselves as, then then yeah, yeah. they're just gonna they're just gonna go go south quick. But yeah, I think there's just there's so much competition now, and so yeah. many other people that are trying to innovate, and so many other people. So the, the, the older companies have to innovate or they're going to die. <laughs> and so yeah. Bender yeah, pretty much. is trying to keep their classic line alive, but at the same time, try to introduce new things, try to get new things out. I mean, even Ibanez, you look at some of the new stuff they're putting out, it's kind of, they're starting to push Gibson a little bit in the, in their, the way they play, the sounds you get out of them. If you take a look at Vet Young's latest guitar from Ibanez, it's custom built for her, but they're going to be doing a production. Okay. On that. 
you know, it's this cross between like a Les Paul and a jazz master. Like it's a weird guitar, but it's, it's it would kinda, be with the vet young, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's got, it's got great clean tones and you can really drive it. It's a, it's a great guitar. It's, you know, and it's a basic six string. It's not a seven string. So it's, um, but yeah, again, just, I'm, I'm not terribly surprised. I know Gibson was struggling just because of the dealing with the wood situation, which this was five or six years ago, but I don't think they okay. ever bounced back or recovered, you know? Well, from- I mean, the, I remember, is it, was it uh, three, it's in the last six months anyway, I can't remember exactly when, but they sold two of their factories you know, to, to try and recoup some of that debt, which probably didn't even make a dent in it. They owe something like 375 million by July. And if they don't pay by a certain date in July, they owe a further 145 or something like that. Yeah, I saw it's like, yeah, it's ridiculous. There's no... Um, when, you, when, your annual, when your annual revenue is a billion dollars, you know, and then that, that's before you kind of cut your expenses. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, I guess they're, they're probably going to, I, the CEO has what three choices: either file for bankruptcy, um, liquidate assets more, or I can't remember. He had a third option as well. But. Yeah, I don't. Um, but the, they're going to be trying to do, trying to sell off some of the brands. So they, I mean, they mm. they run over a hundred brands, which is crazy. I did not know they ran Valley Arts, which really hasn't done much in the last ten years. That's probably because Gibson bought them out and just. <laughs> let them wait and just parked it yeah valley arts used to be great high-end custom-built guitars and i'd say in the last 10 years it's just they're non-existent but Mm. and i think that's to kind of do away with the competition but they haven't that would have been a place to actually put money and they didn't you know they own kramer they own steinberger they own tobias bases they've got uh of course epiphone and then they've got, they own Tascam, they own Cakewalk, they own, which Cakewalk hasn't done anything in 10 years either. You know, mm. they, they've bought all these brands and no one's been manage, managing them and they've been languishing. So it'll be interesting to see who, who picks them up and what they can do with them. Hopefully they'll, they'll resurrect some of these things. But, I don't, well, this this was the thing that kept coming up in the videos was the, you know the speculation as to who would pick them up and and I got to agree with a, a lot of the people who are saying investment bankers because this is the they're the people who are owed the money, you know they're going to be the ones who are ultimately going to to require uh, compensation on all of this and and that compensation is probably going to be owning Gibson, and I, I think the biggest fear for a lot of people who 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 love Gibson guitars and I think more than anything want don't want to see one of those kind of you know the kind of granddaddy of guitars of electric guitars in particular kind of to, to fade away into history and 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 I would I would be inclined to agree but yeah they don't want to see those guitars go to some nondescript factory in in Korea or something and yeah be, you know, you know I mean, being given we, crap materials yeah it, we we don't really I'm, I don't want to see uh, a legend like that just disappear off the face of the earth. I think that would be sad. I think it would be good to see somebody take the helm, liquidate a bunch of the stuff that they're not doing anything with, and really restructure. That would be yeah. great. I would like to see them continue to produce good, classic, heirloom-quality guitars. Mm. 
and then find a way to, to branch out and innovate. I think that that would be an ideal situation. I don't know if that's going to happen. Like you said, investment bankers could be a little dangerous, but yeah. at any rate, I think that's, that's us for that. There's a, we could go on. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But we anyway, just, we, we, we hope, we hope the best for Gibson basically, I think is the bottom line and we hope that they do improve. I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sounds like it's been a rough few years for everyone involved. <laughs> right. Well, hopefully they get their act together and and produce some decent guitars again, get some quality control back. At any rate, yeah. for this week, ladies and gentlemen, we were pleased to have Dylan Reich with us for this interview. And he was gracious enough to give us some time. Matt, you were also in on that. In fact, I think you're you may have been the one that introduced me to Dylan's music. How did you come about his stuff? Uh, I came about Dylan um, probably seven or so years ago, just while I was just kind of traipsing through YouTube, trying to find some other fingerstyle guitar players um, that, of that kind of percussive uh, modern fingerstyle variety. Mm -hmm. And I came across the Canadian Guitar Festival where a lot of these guys um, seem to get their start or invariably at least meet up. Um, some of the big heavy hitters of that style or that genre, whatever you want to call it, would end up being the judges. And then kind of these newer players come in and they, they all compete with one another. And uh, Dylan was in uh, so a couple of the videos. I think he made it to the final of, of in 2010. And he either came second or third. And uh, yeah, he just he just had some really just really nice music, really well composed, super well played. Um, just kind of songs that get stuck in your head and make you want to sit down on a Sunday afternoon with a cup of tea and just chill out, you know? Um, and yeah, so I just kind of stayed up with him from there and, you know, he's had two albums in that time and yeah, just excellent composer. And, uh, and from this interview, super nice dude as well. Excellent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here is our interview with Dylan Reich. Enjoy. Joining us today um, is our resident fingerstyle expert, Matthew O'Callaghan. Thank you for being here, Matt. Thank you for being here, Dylan. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. Yo, yo. Nice. All right. Hey, thanks for having me on, too. It's good to be back. Yeah, so Dylan, just for our audience members who may not be too familiar with what you do, give us a little short clip of what you're what you've been up to recently um and and we'll go from there sure well i've uh i'm a songwriter guitar player um and i've got a couple of instrumental uh fingerstyle guitar records out there um so which is something i've been doing for the i guess the last gee i guess the first one came out 2011 so uh six years took me between albums almost but uh, <laughs> oh man <laughs> I eventually got there um so that's what i've been um focused on uh like we were saying um before we started recording i've got two young kids so part of the reason that i've um gone down the fingerstyle path is because it's so convenient to rehearse you know you don't Trying to get six guys or five guys to the same right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, at the same time regularly um, is tough work. Absolutely. So, Fingerstyle, man, I can rehearse at 7 a.m. or 10 p.m. or wherever there's an hour 
you know? Right. <laughs> Replace the basis with your thumb. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, less arguments with your thumb than... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so how did you initially get into the fingerstyle stuff? Everyone's got a, a story or a song or a player that they saw that was just like, hey, that's amazing. I need to learn how to do that. Yeah. It will... You know, it's uh, like I grew up in Australia. So, you know, Tommy Emmanuel was uh, right. in, in the 90s, right? He was, um, he was on TV all the time. He was like a personality that you'd see pop up, you know, um, on uh, variety talk shows and things. Um, so he, definitely for him. But this was like, you know, for me, it was before YouTube and before uh there was gazillions of uh videos and and all that stuff uh so i had i think two tommy emmanuel albums one by don ross and really oh, nice. those, those three albums were like that was it that's all i that was finger yeah. guitar, <laughs> as far as i knew uh was those three uh sort of records so um but uh yeah i i would have to say those two guys um, wow. Those are two two good places to start for sure. For sure. I remember King, King. first hearing Don Ross as well and just being completely blown away by it. Yeah. So. Like again, this was before YouTube, before all this stuff. And I remember having uh hearing that song Klim Bim. You guys know that one? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 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 I can remember listening to it and sort of thinking, there's no way that's just one guitar. <laughs> there's no way and then i listen to it again and i think really doesn't sound like there's overdubs so maybe it is one guitar yeah and i think nah there's no way <laughs> is it it, it it was always the, the the thing that amazed me as well was i i came from a different context because the first time i saw any of this style of playing was was on youtube i was one of those those kids who who grew up seeing in like I think I was 17 and I saw Andy McKee play drifting and I was just like, I want to do that for the rest of my life. I was kind of, but it was like, I got to see it. Whereas I just, I know so many of the, the, the musicians that like, um, like yourself and John yeah. Gom and all those guys, it, it's all, you know, they hear it and they, Tommy Manuel always says that it was like a, he, he kind of always knew that there was more to it going on with Chet Atkins than, than, you know, what people were saying, but yeah, yeah that's really cool. It is interesting how much uh, it's changed since since YouTube, <laughs> yeah, and and everything. But yeah, no, back so, in back in my teens, it was all uh, CDs and stuff like that. So I'm kind of curious then, with uh, with that in mind, you know, because there aren't there weren't those tutorials back then, and tabs were hard to come by if you could understand them at all, right? And um, what were some of the hurdles in learning this style that you had to overcome and, and what was your learning process like and how have you sort of developed your own style based right. on those difficulties and struggles that you kind of had in the initial learning process? Right. Well, I think, uh, I think what's helped me is that I didn't listen to too much of it. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know if you guys find that, but like, um, I think if you just listen to nothing but the same couple of fingerstyle players, you know, there's a, there's a trap you could fall into just kind of like mimicking. Mm -hmm. you know? mm. uh, whereas for me, like I said, it was like three albums out of, 
you know, a thousand that I had. So, so um, part of my style was, is kind of drawing from everything. Mm. Draw from bass players, because like we talked about, you're, you're playing the bass with your thumb a lot of the time. So you're bringing in your, you know, phrasing from your favorite singers and bass players and horn section and drummers and, and mm. you put it all in a big soup and uh, mix it up and it comes out kind of uh, sounding like, um, like me. Um, <laughs> I love know, that. It is uh, like, you know, when I was a kid, um, like I, I took, I was born in 1980, right? So my first guitar lesson, I think was 1988, I was seven. Um, so when you think of that time of um, getting guitar lessons, buying music magazines, my first records, putting posters on the wall and all that cool stuff. This is like late 80s. This is like Bon Jovi, Poison, Motley Crue. <laughs> you're, you're, you're saying all the things that John likes. Well, maybe no, not Bon come Jovi. come on now. But, but <laughs> come on. Please, no. Jeez, do not throw me in with Poison. Oh, my goodness. Jeez. Anyway. That Please was the, continue, Dylan. <laughs> the time, you know, that's what it, uh, that's what it was. So um, even that stuff is still like, uh, I can still hear it in, uh, in what I'm doing. Cause, mm. cause at the time, like that kind of music poison, it, it was fun. You know mm. what I mean? It wasn't heavy, mm -hmm. serious. There was no political opinion, social commentary. You put mm. it on cause it was fun tap your foot, sing along. And, uh, you know, music was always fun. And that's the angle that I still uh, approach it from. I think that comes through in, in your recordings as well, particularly uh, your latest album as well. Could you just talk a little bit about the recording process, what you've got going on, and, uh, and just tell us a little bit about the album? I recorded it right here in this room that I'm sitting in. Amazing. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Myself. This was... Uh, yeah, I decided to record this one myself. Um, I like that stuff. You know, I like uh, recording and engineering and mixing. So I thought I'd give myself uh, a bit of a challenge, see what I could, see what I could do. Um, so uh, I did it myself. Um, wow. So it was, uh, it was a, a long process because, you know, you write the songs, and you arrange them, practice them. Then you got to play them, engineer it, mix it. I transcribed them. You know, by the end of all that, it's like, man, I just, uh, you know, I've heard this song so many times. <laughs> I, was about to, I was about to say, I get why you might not go and tour it if you're that close to it all of the time. That's crazy. Yeah, but it's kind of fun to go through the process of wearing all those different hats and, uh, yeah. and, um, you know, to go from nothing to uh, a mixed song. Mm. Uh, so it was a good experience. You know, I'm not sure what I'll do with the next one, but uh, it was, uh, it was certainly fun. <laughs> and is there, is there more in the work, in the works with the, the solo finger style things, or are you thinking you have like a, another project to work on or a bit of both? That's both. Yeah. I would say both. Uh, the next thing I did, um, Ah, oh, geez, I don't know when. A few years ago, I did a few cover songs, and I just threw them up on YouTube. And 
people still like talk to me about them and message me <laughs> about those songs. So I thought that that's a good sort of in between album thing to do. I was going to like record the uh, handful of cover songs as a little mini project. Okay. So my next thing. So um, I'm uh, sort of just putting that together uh, now. But yeah, I've got I got loads of songs for another album down the road and a couple of collaborations with uh some friends lined up as well that's going to be something different and and fun. Excellent. Cool. Any anything with um one one of your uh one of your peers that live locally? I, I think Callum Graham isn't too far away from you and uh Manelli Jamal. Manelli It would be in your area too. Yeah, Manelli and Callum and I, we've, we have played uh, some shows together. We did, um, I don't know if anyone's got video of this, but I kind of remember us all on stage playing an Allman Brothers uh, song. At some <laughs> <time>. Fun. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, maybe Callum has that video somewhere. But, um, but no, there's a lot of guys uh, in like Toronto, and uh surrounding areas you can find a lot of these guys <laughs> yeah i don't know it's something about something about canada i don't know what it is antoine dufour also you know and uh gosh john ross right so I'm don ross living up in halifax now one of my one of my friends is a is a bartender who serves him and his wife quite regularly apparently so <laughs> <laughs> something uh, about australia and canada i don't know what it is you like you guys you guys have like the corner on the market for for this type of music it's great yeah i have no idea why but uh, <laughs> it's kind of cool yeah. in, in, innately nice people from those countries then they just end up as great guitar players yeah well in canada i think you could probably chalk it up to just it's cold and so you'd rather be inside playing guitar <laughs> yeah. yeah and in australia it's something you can sit at the beach and uh <laughs> there you go we've solved the mystery so Dylan, I'm curious too, you mentioned because you have uh, kids, you know, that's, that, that changes your, your schedule dynamic as well. What, what does your practice routine look like? That's a big part of what we do on the show is kind of figure out like, how do you make the most of your practice time? And being a dad, like that's, that has certain demands on your time. So how do you, how do you build your practice? And I'm also curious how much of your practice is just writing new material or just jamming? most of it probably is writing um when i'm getting ready to record then it gets really more serious <laughs> mm -hmm. um but yeah it's it's mostly writing and and like i said you know when because it's finger style and because you really only need yourself you can squeeze it in whenever there's some time you know if there's an hour here 20 minutes there you know mm -hmm. try and um be as productive as possible. I still teach um, a little bit too. And you do Skype lessons as well, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. still, it's still moving your hands around over and over. It's still doing this and it still keeps you kind of, you know, if you do a few hours in a row of teaching, you still end up doing, moving your hand a lot, <laughs> you know, so it's still practice, but yeah, most of it's probably writing and, and recording and, um so that's you know for me i've always found that if you have fun you end up uh 
like if you're focused on the enjoying the process and the journey of what you're doing, the results um, kind of uh, take care of themselves. So I, that's, uh, that's the way I usually approach it. That's nice. Yeah, I, I like that idea, particularly as, as a teacher. Matt, you teach as well. Like you find um, you end up, at least for me, if I'm working on something in particular, I kind of think like, hey, this student could use that too. You know, whatever that technique is, it's like, oh yeah, well, I need some practice. So by giving my student this, I can I can work on that technique as well. That's been we're just saying of... one. We're just saying one step ahead of the student. That's all it is. <laughs> one step ahead. Of... If they ever found out, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I, I love that. I love just, and that's something we've talked about here on the podcast several times. It's just like, hey, if you got fifteen minutes, grab fifteen minutes and just. Mm you know, whatever you can do with that. Or even if it's just listening to music, think about, like you were saying, horns or whatever, you know. Um, wasn't it Beethoven who said that the, the guitar is like a miniature orchestra? And I think that's what's great for me about listening to fingerstyle stuff is it's, it's just that you get that entire element of, of the orchestration usually on, that, on just one instrument. It's brilliant. You know, someone, you know, people would always sit at a piano and just play a whole song and have a bass line, I have a thing. Um, and it's kind of just doing that same thing. It's kind of, um, it's fun. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> it's brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> on a, I suppose maybe just, just for some kind of, to nerd out on the kind of fingerstyle stuff a little bit. One of the things that I noticed um, between your first and second albums, is uh, maybe I don't know. Was it a compositional choice? Was it just something that happened naturally? I, I know you've talked about theory in the past about how that something that you really enjoy. Um, and um, on your first album, you I noticed you use a lot of altered tunings and a couple of open tunings. And then on the the, the second album, it's like variants of standard. You know, you're maybe just doing a drop C or dropping the sixth and fifth strings down to a, a C and G things like that and not kind of moving too far away from that more kind of, I don't know, the, I suppose the, the tuning that we're all comfortable applying our theory knowledge to and kind of not, I suppose the biggest thing, probably a knowledge of harmony, but um, is, that, is that something that was a conscious decision or did it just kind of happen? Uh, kind of both. It's, um, you know, to, it's kind of a pain to go from all those different tunings Yes, it is. <laughs> and then the next song, you're up to F, and it's just like uh -huh. so much, uh, it's just a pain. So, um, you know, hanging around standard is kind of, uh, it's kind of fun. You know, I've, you know, yeah. I really have gone more in that direction on, uh, on this, this album. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of guys that are going the other way with uh, lots of percussion big pedal boards, loopers, uh, octave pedals, all, you know, all that stuff. Mm. Uh, I kind of have gone the other way. It's like just, you know, just a guitar and I'm just playing a song, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's kind of it, what I like about it at this point. Definitely something that, that, that definitely shines through, I think, in, in particular, just I've listened to it so much over the last couple of days and your, your most recent album is, is just the, the melodies really are, they kind of shine over the top of absolutely everything on it. You know, it's a really nice, rich, low-end production on, on the album, but those melodies are crazy. Like, I, the, the, 
they just really pop out you know and not not in a poppy way but in in a in a you know whatever the kind of feeling of the song is but, that is um, you know everybody's different people like you know different things but for me mm. that's that's what it's mostly about is the melody that's uh, I'm that sort of guy that you know when it doesn't have a strong melody I am may struggle to hold my interest you know mm. so, um so definitely that's what I uh I put a high uh priority on the on the melodies that's uh, that's what I care about yeah I, I think that comes through that's great yeah, awesome absolutely awesome awesome all right Maddie do you have any other questions for Dylan um let's see I you were saying before we were recording that um that you're you're not much of a a, a live, live musician you it sounds it sounds more like that you you decide that or prefer maybe that you prefer to be a composer producer um but just live shows some kind of do they is it that they don't grab you or is it um a little bit of both or i would say fine? a little bit of both <coughs> excuse me uh definitely writing arranging producing that realm of mm. stuff that's where i feel uh the most at home that's what i i mm. most do um but i you know performing it's not it's not bad i i will say that i i do prefer it if um if there's if it's not just me you know oh, interesting uh, you know, because there's, uh, you know, there's some gigs where you load up a car by yourself, drive a few hours by yourself, set mm -hmm. up by yourself, and then you play, and then you do all the reverse. And uh, it's, it's a lot more fun if you've uh, you got someone with you that you're hanging out with and you enough. with. And it's, you know. Yeah. Uh, so even if it's just a duo or something like that, I personally find that to be a, lot, a bit more fun, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not off the table. I might, uh, I might get more into it when my kids are a little bit older, you know, mm. we'll see. Very it's, cool. Yeah. That's, that's cool. an interesting take on it too. Um, I guess for, for a lot of us, we wouldn't necessarily think about that whole process just on your own. So yeah. Which sounds really depressing, <laughs> the way you put it. Yeah, look, it's, it's not awful. It's just not as much fun as if you're, you know, like a band or, you know, a few friends doing, you know, a road trip and a, a thing, you know? Yeah, for sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, Dylan, where can people find more about you and your music? Oh, well, you can go to my, you can go to my website, uh, dylanreich.com. And, you know, there you've got, you know, music, transcriptions, news, um, a not very updated regularly blog, <laughs> <laughs> um, social media, you know, uh, I'm on Facebook and, and Twitter. Um, those are the main ones. But, you know, I'm pretty accessible. You know, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. So if you can just search out my name somewhere there, you'll be able to find me. That's good enough. And then just for our listeners, it should be there in the show headliner. But how do you spell your last name again? R-Y-C-H-E. Yeah, there we go. Okay. 
So ladies and gentlemen, again, uh, it's been great to have Dylan Reich here on the show and Matthew O'Callaghan is our guest awesome. host. And, so. uh, really great talking to you guys. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We look forward to the next album. So, and all the, the upcoming YouTube videos as well. Yes. So I go. I gotta go back to learning some of your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, All the best, hope you Dylan. Guys thanks that. so much it was again. Super great to have him on the guys? show. Really nice guy. Really accommodating. It was great. Definitely, definitely check out his website. That's R Y C H E. I think he mentioned that as well. So let's just yeah. But pretty pretty easy to find out there. Daydreamer is the name of the latest album, and it, it's a great listen. I, I know Matt, you enjoyed Absolutely. it as well. Yeah, I loved it. It's um, just it's it's really good fingerstyle music. It's 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 uh, well, it's just it's good songwriting. Um, is the way I just put it. You know, um, mm -hmm. there's one tune on there in particular called "I Love My Life," never ceases uh, to fail on putting a smile on my face. <laughs> it's it's like one of the happiest tunes I've ever listened to. Um, and definitely emotes that in you when you listen to it. So um, yeah, awesome dude, and really cool to get a chance to meet him. So thanks for having me on for that one as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Awesome to get to meet some. It's funny going from uh, you listen to someone for years and years and years, and then you get to interview them and just be like, hey, I I like your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan too. Um, I don't know why. Apparently, you're like Tiny Tim, I guess. In I, mm, yeah, sure. You know, six foot three, Tiny Tim. Yes. So, sorry <laughs> to all of our British listeners. Like that's, um, yeah. Irish. <laughs> well, <laughs> too, I, I'm saying I'm, that's. Oh, a I thought British you were referring. I was British. Tim is a Dickens character. He's not Irish. I thought you were implying that I was British. I was like, come no, on, no, no. <laughs> I know better than that. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Just like, like I said, yeah, I, I did a tiny Tim accent. You're yeah, as, <laughs> as though you were tiny Tim. Or uh, what, what, Oliver, what's his name? Oliver Twist? Twist. At it. Yeah, the more please, sir. <laughs> more finger style guitar, please, sir. Which now it's turning into some sort of Monty Python. Hello! <laughs> uh, yeah, so please go support Dylan Reich's music. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, Dylan Reich. So, but yeah, all right. So now we move on to the part of the show what have oh bother what what have you been listening to or working on no it's it's what have you been working see, on? i'm 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 at complete ends without without dylan here jeez i'm i'm, I'm sorry i couldn't hold it together like dylan i'm, uh, I'm sorry anyway, okay so yeah what <laughs> what have you been working on there mr matthew o'callaghan I've been working on a couple of things. Mo a lot of it is writing. Um, I'm writing my uh, fingerstyle stuff, uh, trying to get uh, six to eight songs ready. So I'm um, working on that on off a lot of the moment. And also I recently started uh, playing uh, prog rock, like, uh, and so I watch you from a far style kind of instrumental stuff with uh, a buddy of mine. So yeah, working on, working on uh, writing a lot. Um, and uh, a little bit of um, uh, learn, learning some new finger style tunes, like uh, some Calvin Graham stuff. Um, cool. Really, really great Canadian finger style guitar player, if you've ever heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, we just heard from his management team. We'll probably have him on the show in a couple months. So he's on tour right now, so that makes it a little hard to do. But as soon as he's off, we'll go ahead and set up an interview with him. Cool, cool stuff. Can, How about you? 
Well, before we do me, can do okay. you have do you have a place where we could find maybe some of your your works in progress, your whips, maybe if you care to share? Sure. Yeah, I suppose I I, I have an Instagram account and I'm using it kind of as a as a as a online diary of my riffs and little bits of tunes and stuff. And that's um, my account name is uh, mattyoc.music. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find the little bits and pieces of songs that I'm uh, writing at the moment. And uh, yeah, more more to come. I'm working on a, a video actually for, for the song Drifting by Andy McKee. I, uh, it's nice. nearly 10 years since I started playing guitar and that song is the reason I started picking it up and, and playing it. So um, it would be a nice um, tribute to do to send to, to Andy, who, who I've met a couple of times here in Cork. Super, super nice dude and awesome player very inspiring musician so absolutely um, yeah so very cool okay and that's maddie with a y not an ie that's, and yeah, that's with maddie, maddie with a y use like yeah <laughs> <So>. <laughs> at any rate um yeah and what have i been working on you asked so video in indeed so a couple of things i've mentioned a few times yeah eugene's trick bag that's still a thing because holy crap it's hard to put that <laughs> absolutely but besides that last week i talked about working on some riffs and just trying to find some things so i got a couple of dream theater riffs i've been working on and as well as unchained by van halen which is not necessarily a hard one but it's just it's one that I played, I don't know, probably 10 years ago or something, and I haven't picked it okay. up. So it was like, yeah, I should, I should definitely check that out. And I don't know, a couple others. I'm just building a list of things that, like, hey, I should just go back and relearn that riff. doesn't necessarily have to be hard. And sometimes I think that's a good thing. It's just something that's easy and manageable, unlike Eugene's trick bag, that <laughs> you can just Give yourself a break. <laughs> bang out in a, in a day or you know, 10 minutes and come back to it during the week and just make sure it's still under your fingers. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So things like that, that's just, I, with a big project and I've been trying to do more writing as well with those things. I like to be able to have something that's easy and manageable that I can just grab and run with it. So yeah, but a bit of a short term, uh, uh, endorphin boost of just kind of <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, I don't yeah. suck at guitar. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all get that from time to time. <laughs> I get that Absolutely. Feeling. <laughs> and okay. And then, what have you been listening to? Ooh, um, I have been listening to um, this band that has been on the rise. Uh, it's called Good Tiger. It's a bit of a, a, a prog metal supergroup. It's it's made up of um, musicians who all came from um, pretty pretty popular bands like the lead singer uh, used to sing for Tesseract. Um, okay. um, the two guitar players used to be in uh, uh, what was it? Save the Safety Fire, um, who were another really popular prog metal band. And yeah, so it's just they're they're awesome group of guys. They just released their their newest album. Um, there just two weeks ago was it now? And uh, I've been listening to that an awful lot. It's uh, its name is, which I'll just grab for you now. Um, sorry, uh, it's called uh, "We Will All Be Gone," and yeah, it's just an awesome kind of. It's a metal album, but it's kind of artsy, I suppose. It's a bit more ambient, and it's got plenty of riffs and all that jazz. But 
it's uh, got a lot of um, really pretty parts, I suppose, actually. Uh, Elliot Coleman is this really cool vocalist who has just this really higher range, um, kind of really dramatic sounding. And yeah, cool album. Been listening to it a lot. Yeah, definitely. Just uh, just looking up some of that stuff too. Uh, the the ex drummer from the Faceless, which uh, if you yeah. know them, they're sort of kind of like a tech death sort of band. <laughs> um, so it's kind of interesting to have him on there as well. And the guitarist, like you said, from the Safety Fire, kind of uh, yeah. And uh, Morgan Sinclair, the bassist for touring bassist for the Architects. So yeah, seriously yeah, interesting, he, he, interesting group, man. That's I was not aware of this project, so I'm gonna have to have to check that out. They're shame on me for not being aware of it. This is, you know, they, they've been around a couple of years now. So <laughs> but this is good. This it is might be over, like, it might be over your neck of the woods soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'll I'll have to check that out. And what have you been listening to? What Mr. have I been listening to? So. We had the pleasure of having Greg Howe on the show. Well, we did an interview with him. In fact, last night, so at least it was last night for me now, by the time this airs, it'll be a couple of days ago. But point being, we got to interview Greg Howe, who, if you don't know who he is, he's the session guitar player or the, the touring guitar player for everybody that was in a pop band from like... 95 <laughs> to 2005 so wow. okay enrique iglesias he was michael jackson's touring guitar player after jennifer batten he was yeah on the InSync tour he toured i think with jennifer lopez and christina aguilera and yeah like like i said anybody who was popular wow. from 95 to 2005 wow. but you should go back and take a look at some of his other stuff his latest album wheelhouse is just it's mind blowing. There's great stuff on there. He's got some blue stuff that he does with Richie Kotzen. He's got a, a, a lot of tracks that kind of have this sort of Alan Holdsworth style saxophone legato, except it doesn't sound like a synthesizer, which uh, the, the, the tone is great. Don't get me wrong. So much respect for Alan Holdsworth, an amazing guitar player. His tone is the thing that I always have a hard time getting over. But um, Greg Howe just he freaking nails it on this album and really excited to have him on the show. Great interview. Great guy. That one is going to be a two-parter because he had just a lot to say. So that's great. Anyway, wheelhouse, Greg Howe, check it out. Some great tracks off of that album. And yeah, there you have it. I'll give it a look. Cool. Well, I think that's us for today. Thanks so much, Matt, for being here, for filling in for, the uh, malaria-ridden elephant-riding jungle <laughs> slashing, I don't know, Dylan Murphy. There you go. <laughs> thanks. Thanks thanks for filling in. So. No problem. Happy yeah. to. <laughs> At any rate, uh, you, why don't you do the sign-off there, Matt? Stay sharp, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well done. We'll see you next time. Peace.